This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. everyone and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. My name is Ellie Nunn and he has never slept with multiple persons! It's my co-host, James Evans! I haven't! Now, I know that that isn't an Alexis yeah, quote. didn't want to rain on your parade there. But I'm but... so... Well, I'm just... I'm so needy. You're on a Vicky in... high, aren't you? It happens to all of us. <laughs> I'm... I'm on season nine now, I think, uh-huh. but I having just finished season eight, right? I was just so into it. And I have to say, and I know that this isn't the way to start this episode, but we picked Alexis. And then the more I've been watching those seasons, the more I'm like, Alexis is the most boring thing to happen in those seasons. Oh, wow. Okay. Controversial thesis statement for our Alexis episode. Right in. I think she's nice, but dim. Well, as in like, don't get me wrong. A lot of her stuff is iconic. But I was watching and I thought all of the arguments with her at the centre are based on so little. Right, yes. And are so flimsy. Yeah. And when you have all of the Vicky, Gretchen, Tamara stuff going on, suddenly I'm just like, Alexis is so beige. Especially with the other stuff coming up that I've, I'm have i now, was writing to James and being like, it's like it's got to be Brooke's cancer scare. Mm-hmm. Next, not cancer scare, cancer scam. Um <laughs> Controversial take there. You are a, a Brooks Cancer truther. <laughs> but I was like, there's so much On the wild stuff yeah. Yeah. that Alexis, like, kind of crying bullying, it is is pretty tepid. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I'm not excited to talk about her. I mean, it, as for as much as we dress up this show as a piece of prestige television, and mm-hmm. we like to find some deeper literary meaning in it, occasionally you come across a housewife like Alexis, where what you see is pretty much what you get, and there's only so much you can dig into with Alexis to find some highbrow reference or whatever, because it's Alexis Bellino. Like we only have so much to work with here. Absolutely, like there, there's not really any Greek tragedy, and and she's not even tra- she's not as tragic as Alex McCord or someone. Mm -hmm. So it's like she's in this weird middle place where she's not mad, she's not tragic... She's sort of lame. Mm-hmm. She's closer to Alex McCord, I'd say. There's definitely shades of Alex McCord. That spectrum. Yeah. Definitely. And then there's sort of shades of Taylor Armstrong. And then I don't know who the last piece of the puzzle would be. I think she's kind of shades of lots of people because what I get with Alexis Bellino is that she is probably every single cliche that the average layperson who's never seen The Real Housewives assumes Would think what the show a Real is. Housewife yeah. is. She's just like a dumb blonde with big boobs, staggeringly vapid, hypocritical yes. in her conservative values. She has a controlling husband. But also making drama out of nothing. Right. It's like very petty, low stakes drama. Very forced, quite performative. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, there we go. Um, I feel like we're all on the same page about her. <laughs> Episode done. Cool. <laughs> 
nothing we could do. We're not going to change anyone's minds. It's been fun. All right. But I think that's kind of the fun thing about Alexis is that this is going to be a different kind of episode where, like I said, we can't, we're not going to say she's like the modern day Medea or something pretentious like that. Yeah. We can just take each other by the hand and go for a lovely walk down memory lane and recount some of Alexis's most embarrassing, delusional malapropisms. Yeah. And- it's a bit like when you play Mario Kart and you do one of the more basic tracks and you're like, this is just nice. Yeah. This is just quite stress-free. It's like, this is not Rainbow Road. Well, it's like an easy one. Michael's just got on a Switch and I'm sort of being forced to be the mum and play along with him, even though I'm rubbish. Like a Yoshi Falls. It's a Yoshi Falls. Like a, exactly. Take my hand. Lead okay. me through it. Um, first of all, okay. I want to say I'm recording right now. I'm in my office space. And there is a kid's birthday party happening in the backyard. <laughs> and it's very loud from my In the corner. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I've got Alexis's puppy and princess party here. She's giving a speech next door. <laughs> so apologies if you can pick up on it. There's a lot of heavy bass coming from downstairs. It sounds like a, a rave for six-year-olds. That sounds so, like a Taylor Armstrong party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ace Young's jamming oh. out, probably drunk. He makes every day a birthday to me. It's my birthday in a couple of days. Do you think, what are the odds of you organising Ace Young to, to sing you make every day a birthday to me? Oh shit, there's still time. I have his contact details. I can pull some strings. I think I could make it happen. <sighs> and something tells me he'll be available. And he'll do it. <laughs> um... So, first of all, this is really a people's episode. We've had so many people reaching out to us saying, please do Alexis Bellino. She's hilarious. Really? She's iconic. She is OC. And I do not dispute that. There's so many. Off the top of my head, there are certain moments that you can just list. You can say her doing the National Booty Awareness Week month. <laughs> as she said, as she calls it. Uh, Alexis Quartor. We have the, I had to go on Xanax for it, Lydia. We had Jesus Jugs. You know, she definitely. How dare you just say that and not say it with the cadence? That would be like me being like, you're such a fucking like male. You can't say these things without the cadence. Yeah, it didn't sound right. It didn't come out of my mouth properly. No. I had to go on Xanax for it, Lydia. No, that wasn't good. No. We'll work our way into it. You, you used to be so good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You've got to pick up the slack here because she... I don't think my voice can get to the register of some of these women. I've been practicing my Vicky Gumbelson in preparation and I ju- it just can't be done. Let's see. <clears throat> I had to go on Xanax for it, Lydia. All right. All right. It, okay. was, it was all right. I see you. Yeah. Lydia. Well, we're holding hands together and we'll get there. Sorry. It's not a competition. <laughs> but, uh... Why don't you tell me about her entrance into the show? So Alexis kind of pulls a Sonia Morgan where she joins midway through her first season, which is season five. And I'm going to come out with something quite controversial here. Mm. I think Alexis was initially a very glamorous, aspirational presence on the show. Ooh. Yeah. And I think that's less a reflection of Alexis and more probably a reflection of Orange County of what was around in her in 2008 which was pretty fucking grim that's true because I remember finding it weird when Lydia's talking about she's like oh I saw Alexis walking down the street and she was like this angel princess like ah and I was like really and at that point you're looking and it's a lot of the kind of Luanne de la Sepp style kind of maxi pad tenor lady dresses <laughs> yes with like huge statement jewelry yeah. and then some really questionable headgear and headbands mm-hmm. and I thought I, I wouldn't have looked at that person and been like wow you look like a 
princess. No, I think it, it's so hard. But to... I see that more when she first comes on. Yeah, like I say, OC in that time was really dark and harrowing. <laughs> Lest we forget, the cast consisted of Gretchen Rossi, who's supporting her unemployed boyfriend Slade. Vicky Gunvalson slaving away at Koto Insurance until one in the morning. I love how passionate she is about insurance. Can I just say that one of my favourite things <laughs> is when she says to Derry when they're watching Heather acting and she's like, it's just so great seeing people doing what they love to do. It's like, it's like you and me. I love insurance. And she loves acting. <laughs> I'm like, not something I ever thought I'd heard someone say. She's obsessed. She's constantly working. She's always got a laptop out and whatever limo to go to wherever place they're going to. She's working. She's a business lady. She's got to put food on the table. And then we have Tamara and Simon Barney who are on the brink of divorce. We have Lynn Curtin, who's just pilled out the whole time because she's terrified that they're going to get evicted from their house, which they end up getting done on camera. And it's like a catchphrase of the season in this economy or like times are tough right now. Everyone's out of a job. And then in walks this bombshell who's just dripping in diamonds, who seems completely untouched by the recession. Mm. And lest we forget, of course, she replaced Gina Keogh, who is Eeyore incarnate. She's <laughs> one of the most uncharismatic depressed, depressing women who's ever graced our TV screen. She's just, mm, as a person. You're right. She was a breath of sort of sparkly fresh air in the context. And she's young and fun. And I think that the only other person who was kind of young was Gretchen and everyone was so distracted, sort of just bullying her and slut shaming her that she sort of skated by she has quite a successful first season she does very solid work and i think from the beginning she was a very well sketched character she's very easily communicable in who her character is this jesus loving airhead who has a clear function and place on the show would you argue that the first noticeable shift in that and in her role on the show came with the casting of heather dubrow This is interesting. So yeah, I think we get shades of it in season six with this Peggy Thanos woman who doesn't really warrant much explanation. She's just like one of the series of this conveyor belt of nondescript blondes who last for a season on Orange County in particular. It's very weird, that casting history. But she has a falling out with Peggy and it's kind of very vague throughout the season. And it's strange because Peggy has ostensibly come on the show as Alexis's friend. But we find out during the reunion that Peggy used to date Alexis's husband, Jim. And mm. Alexis didn't know that. And as soon as she found out, rather than being annoyed and upset with Jim for not telling her, her husband, she's annoyed with Peggy and just kind of spouts off a lot of biblical, misogynistic, kind of slut shaming <laughs> stuff. And it's like, it's really not a good look. And it, it's probably Alexis at her worst. But then what happens coming into season seven, where Peggy's still sort of hanging around, you can feel Tamra amping up, getting ready to take Alexis down with this idea that Alexis doesn't support other women. But then Peggy taps out very quickly. So you can sort of sense Tamra going, shit, what do I do? What do I do? Because her instincts are to terrorize Alexis, but she doesn't have a reason really. In walks Heather Dubrow, who basically, and they articulate what we were just saying, that Heather Dubrow is actually glamorous and she's actually aspirational. that's what I was going to say is that Heather's the first time in quite an unexpected way because don't get me wrong I I know that she's a pain in the ass but there's something I like about Heather because even though she is condescending and she is patronizing and she is a Mm know-it-all 
but she is also really clever <laughs> and yeah. she is right mm-hmm. a lot of the time and she does have everything together in a very frustrating way to the others but it's sort of it's a bit like when Carol Radsfield came on New York and it was someone who's actually quite aspirational mm-hmm. and rather than being high camp and I think that's one of the things that Tamara and Vicky really kind of rip Heather apart for a lot of the time is that thing of being like you're not being camp enough you're not being all over the place enough or in that kind of Sonia Morgan like messy and I think that's where so much of the Shannon Heather tension came from is that Heather's presence seems to make people feel very self-conscious and I feel like Heather's arrival on the show with Alexis is a perfect first example of that where everything about Heather showed up every chink in Alexis's (laughs) sort of chainmail. It really unleashed a lot of Alexis's neuroses for sure you could sort of feel Alexis glitching out a bit at Heather's mere presence but then it was also funny that Heather seemed to sort of like immediately despise Alexis from the get-go and her presence and articulating this idea that Alexis brags a lot about money and shows off and is fake by articulating that she sort of then legitimized this mass takedown that Tamara already sort of had plans for in the wings but couldn't totally. enact yet. Because it was an odd it wasn't it didn't really make sense where it came from and I think there's definitely there is an element of snobbery with Heather and I do kind of wish she'd own more the I don't think she's ever intimidated or threatened by Alexis or Gretchen's forays into acting or presenting. Mm-hmm. But I do think she's irritated by it mm-hmm. because I think that it feels like when they step into her world, it makes a little bit of a mockery of her mm-hmm job and her legitimacy as an actress and I think she really wants to distance herself from being a housewife who's an actress to being I was an actress and now I'm on this show and I think she should own more that she's irritated by them and I also because I get it I think that anyone would be like the way they talk about it as if they know what they're talking about I think Heather's immediately bristles at any sense that Alexis implies that they have the same experience Mm -hmm. of their work or whatever but I don't think Heather owns it so instead it becomes about a braggy thing where she should kind of own that she's just being a bit snobbish and that's fine like for instance when she's got that disagreement with Gretchen because Gretchen thinks that she was offered a part on the same show that Heather's Mm. doing and Heather's trying to explain it to her and it's exactly that thing you were saying it's hard when you do know more than someone else about this thing to explain it in a way that doesn't seem patronizing but I as a viewer who also you know I've been around the block a few times in show business what Gretchen was describing was clearly an availability check and that's not an offer and it's hard even now as I'm saying that you sound really pretentious and patronizing but it's true and it's true that no matter because especially because also because Heather talks calm and slow and sort of thinks about what she says more the delivery definitely comes across as extremely condescending in a situation like that when you place it next to sort of Tamara's loud word vomit or like Vicky Mm -hmm. or whatever but I think what she sometimes intends to be slightly eye-rolling explaining yeah anyway this isn't a I'm actually sorry I'm cringing so much that I just said as someone who's been around the block a few times in show business like that was that was a joke I was pulling a face when I did that I don't know if that came across in my voice I'm actually mortified I just said that and that anyone might James has gone white I'm I'm absolutely mortified all the blood has drained from his face I was joking I was mildly concerned you were gonna fake 
but to make this now related back to Alexis, I think what's interesting with this sort of mass takedown that happens in Costa Rica on the group trip, mm. which is in Mexico because it's south, is that it's not this idea that Alexis is braggy and pretentious and very tacky with her portrayal of wealth is not an avenue I believe would otherwise have been pursued by the other women because it is hypocritical. It's Mm. pretty much prerequisite for being on the show. And Vicky, even Vicky has the self-awareness to point out that they're all superficial. And I think what's key here and what Heather's presence illuminates is that it's not that Alexis brags, it's that Alexis brags in the wrong way. And Heather has a sort of East Coaster brunette sophistication to her where she's mastered the art of showing off her massive gargantuan mansion in a way that seems kind of vaguely humble and indirect it's a very sneaky way of bragging they don't own that they basically find alexa's tacky they find it tacky to say i'm wearing a fake massive ring yeah where they try and spin a whole storyline around see like why would you wear a fake massive ring rather than just leaving it even though I do think it's stupid in terms of you're not going to have less chance of being mugged Mm -hmm. but I do think (laughs) I do think the smarter thing would be (laughs) to not wear any of the big jewelry. I think it's just hard though because we've had other housewives like this over the years who when we met Alexis and Jim she sort of skated by with the women and they didn't really pick on her And she also didn't really get sent up Mm. by the production, even though all the key ingredients that we know and love about Alexis are there with her controlling husband and whispers of them being in financial trouble and that the house is going to go into foreclosure. That's all been there from the beginning. And that's very common on these shows. But I think where I give Alexis a bit more grace is that, and I say this with love, is that I think she's so stupid and naive I don't think she's actively lying when she's trying to make herself seem more wealthy than she is I genuinely think it's that Teresa signing papers that get her sent to prison where she's just parroting whatever it is that Jim has told her to say so they try and catch Mm. her out in one of the reunions where they they moved house and And Alexis said that she managed to short sell the house and then moved into another house. And Tamara's trying to like get her on this financial jargon that I don't really understand. And she's Mm. trying to catch Alexis out in a lie. And I don't think it is a lie. I think it's just Alexis just fundamentally misunderstanding money and Mm. how the real estate market works because she put all her trust into Jim. So when Jim says that he buys cars and then sells them for a profit, even though cars are a depreciating asset, I think she genuinely believes that. Yeah. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. 
That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Can we talk about Jim? Oh, yeah. He's got to be one of the least charismatic people to roam the earth. And one of the scariest. <laughs> There's kind of a dead blankness behind the eyes. There's a gormlessness. And he's just hes just a douche in the way that a guy from the mid-2000s living in Orange County could be. Just this goateed, Ed Hardy-wearing douchebag. Without one ounce of charisma. And there's that scene where he turns up at the party, at Heather's party, to surprise Alexis. And the response from Alexis is so wild and gleeful and love. And honestly, like, he barely cracks a smile. It's one of those things where I I feel weird making comparisons with Russell because obviously what happened and, and with him passing away. But there are so many comparisons to draw. And that thing of, like, the way that Taylor would talk about Russell versus when you'd then meet Russell or see him. And yeah. be like, are we talking about the same person? Yeah. And it's similar, like, Alexis is so desperately trying to sell constantly, like, his humour and, like, how much they laugh together. And you feel that so much when she, like, jumps up and she's, like, squealing and laughing. And you're like, this, it's so forced and painful and a bit like a child desperately trying to believe that they have something that they don't. And also, that ending when he drives off. It's really good. He seems to, similarly to Russell, to just like hate the show. Mm -hmm. And it feels so similar, that bit where he basically drives off and she has to kind of stop him to get in the car. And then she's weirdly a bit like, thank you. And it's like, no, no, he's just done a dick thing Mm -hmm. and just like stormed off and nearly left without you. Yeah, it's a really tricky situation that they're in where he sort of is around in the Mm -hmm. first season. And then in the second season, he clearly knows that the other women don't like him or he's going to get sent up by the cameras. So he takes a step back. And then there's one dinner party where Alexis goes by herself and she gets flack for it because Jim hasn't come. And it's very rude to not come to a dinner party. And it's like a catch 22 where either way, she's going to get shit for it. Like either her husband's going to get sent up or she's going to get shit because her husband's not around and there's no winning. And she as the woman is sort of on the front line having to fight his battle on his behalf. Although what I will say is even though it becomes, it's established very early on that they're codependent, that she has this horrible, like cutesy, sexy baby relationship with him where it's like giggling and like jumping up into his arms. And it's sort of very odd. And I think is unnerving Mm. to a mainstream audience for that first season and a half you're kind of like i find it weird but it seems to work for them and alexis seems to be happy that's where the taylor comparison ends i guess where it doesn't seem to sort of chip away at her soul and i think where the cracks really begin to show for them is and also just in alexis character in general is where she begins to think actually being a stay-at-home mom and a wife is actually not enough for me and i want to spread my wings And again, we can elide it a bit with Heather Dubrow's entrance on the show where Heather's got this similar thing of, I'm a stay-at-home mum right now, I want to go back to work. And Terry is a supportive but pragmatic husband who is like, okay, I support this. These are some considerations we've got to think about. We'll make it work, but I just want you to know this is going to be hard, but I'm in it with you. 
contrasting with Jim, who is spouting off a load of biblical nonsense about how she's come from his rib or something, so she needs to stay at home. And it then... If you feel terrible as an audience member because you're watching Alexis and you're rooting her on to get out of this controlling, toxic marriage where she can find some autonomy and break free from this patriarchal system and realize her full potential. But then when she does it, you're sort of like, oh, you're actually kind of rubbish at everything. Oh God! And you feel like a terrible feminist because then you're like, oh, actually, you were really good at being a mum and being good at a wife. Actually, maybe you should just go back to doing that. And I feel like I have these two competing, contradictory feelings that are very strong inside me. Where I'm really willing Alexis on to become this lady boss and she can like rule the world, but then discovering slowly but surely that she's just completely incompetent at everything. That scene when she's with her assistant in the car and realises that she didn't set an alarm on her husband's phone to wake him up, to wake the kids up, to take them to school. And it's just like... You're fucking kidding me. Mind-blowing. She is a good mum. And this is something that people try out about... No, no, mind-blowing that he's so bad. Yeah, completely. But I think people say that about Teresa. Like, Teresa's a good mum. And I'm like, yeah, but... She's still a lawful person, but like, I actually think Alexis is a very good mum. There's so many scenes where she has a nanny, but she's clearly not this checked out housewife who doesn't know what to do with her kid. We've seen scenes of her getting down on the floor and disciplining kids and being very hands-on as a mother. And I think Mm. she's actually, um, she's actually a great mum. And I think that counts for a lot. Which is a good job because she nearly died in childbirth. So. Oh my God, should we talk about that speech? Please. (laughs) It's a birthday party for her twin girls Melania and McKenna and she's like so we're gonna throw a princess and puppies party or a puppies and princess party as I like to call it okay (laughs) (laughs) didn't know there was a difference and she's clinking her glass and then she gathers all these kids they're all like four and three I think all dressed as princesses and there's all, all these parents stood around as well and we get the dum bum music. I'd love it if there was just one dressed as a puppy. That would have been <laughs> yeah. me. I don't... <laughs> Shit. If it said princesses and puppies first, then I would have known. Then it, clearly I'd have, have known yeah. the puppies were going to just be in a accrument. <laughs> but she starts this speech. I've written it all down and I'd like to do a dramatic reading. because Go on, can... give it to us. She goes... I'd like to just give um, a little special thank you to everyone that came out today. I know this is quite a um, um, a lot going on at once, and it had a lot of more formality, but of course, when children get involved, it never works out the way. But uh, I want to give a special welcome to my daughters, Melania and McKenna. They've never had a formal birthday party as of yet, because I figure four <laughs> is where the memories are made, and they can remember. <laughs> Melania and McKenna had a very special entrance into the world. They were born at 34 weeks. They were, their mom almost passed away. She had a pulmonary embolism and thank God, Dr. Brooke, sweet Dr. Brooke is the one that figured it out. ER couldn't have figured out what was wrong with me. I'm doubled over. I can't breathe. I'm on like serious pain medication. I entered the hospital for five days. I have a blood clot. They can't figure out how to get it out. You know, the Coumadin's not working. I'm on Demerol. I'm on morphine. And uh, that's what this celebration today is all about. So with that said, we need (laughs) Princess Melania and McKenna. Melania and McKenna. Yay! And it's like, it plays out exactly how you think it's going to be. It's like intercut with pictures of gormless kids with like face paint. (laughs) uh. I feel like 
Bravo needs to do like a countdown of the five best birthday performances across the seasons. Obviously, so that the top spot can be waking up in the morning, thinking about so many things. things. Just wish things would get better. Things get better. But they seem to say the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very how I feel this year, actually. You and me both, sister. I think that's the anthem of 2023. Move past it, move past (laughs) it. Let's not stay stay in the bad place. Sorry, Um, I still have a bit of a hard-on about this Costa Rica takedown. No, I I think that you're right. And I think that I was watching that season and I was sort of, I knew that the cut fitness fight happened at the beginning of the next season. So I was slightly watching it, trying to remember how it got to that place. And I do think that it's so thin on the ground. There's so little... But I think what contributes to that is Alexis's response doesn't match. Nothing they say is that bad. Well, I mean... I mean, it's saying, like, you don't have to brag about stuff. It feels like stuff you might get annoyed at them saying it or irritated, but not have, like, a breakdown over. I mean, I probably shouldn't and wouldn't be on any of these shows and i agree but i think if i was on a trip with a load of acquaintances and then they all sort of said it on mass i think i would mm-hmm. break out into alex mccord hives and probably lock myself in my room yeah. and go home early it's just so not a fair fight where i just can't get over like and i get that this is the whole point of the show is to just pick fights over petty things but it just doesn't warrant more than a brush of the shoulders and like oh she's stupid like oh who cares and i think it's when gretchen but that's the gets thing, isn't it? Is that it's but the thing is that you go back over these seasons and it does really make you examine Tamara Judge. And she's so good at the shows, but she is so careful in how she selects her storylines more than maybe anyone. It's such an interesting mixture of being done very deftly and also being very heavy handed. It is crazily heavy handed, isn't it? Crazy. Like the shift with Gretchen and then just switching right back. Yeah. And it's like, it's basically like that season might as well have not happened. But it's so odd to have those moments like on the beach when she's opening up to Gretchen and saying that she's sharing stuff she's never shared with anyone before, which would imply an intimacy between the two of you. That literally two episodes later, she's like, I was telling you what you wanted to hear because I don't like you. <laughs> it's, it just doesn't make any sense. But it's all with that awareness of what makes a great scene or what makes a great storyline or we need to get out of this storyline and into this storyline. And that's where Vicky Gunvalson's great as well, because especially with those two together, they're going to make amazing drama and then they're able to just move yeah. through it yeah. and th- through into they have such a forward trajectory. And what's interesting is people like Heather and Shannon made the amazing drama, but they just can't move through it because yeah. they feel it too much in a genuine way. I think Shannon Bedore genuinely had a kind of breakdown because of the show where people like Tamara and Vicky, it's not real in a way. They feel it in the moment, but then it moves on. And I think Alexis was real fodder in that of like, we need to make a storyline. Heather's there kind of having just come on the show and is suggesting that she finds Alexis phony, but there's not a real like fight to be had there, which is why I do believe Heather's whole thing of being like, well, I wasn't really fighting with you. Yeah. But Tamara's like yapping in each time Heather says something as if it's a much bigger fight than it is. And then clearly has said to Gretchen that she has to be involved as well. And that's what makes it a pile on. Mm -hmm. 
where actually the conversation between Heather and Alexis isn't that big a conversation. No, no, I agree. And 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 doesn't ever get yeah. raised past sort of discussion. But when Tamara's screaming, be a real person. Be a real person, which is rich because this is a woman who filmed a make-out candlelit bath scene with her new boyfriend, Eddie. And it's just like, oh, the camera's just happening to be there. Like they all have their moments where they're not a real person, they're performative. And I think that, yeah, there's the combination of Tamara yapping and then also the heavy emotional pull of Gretchen suddenly turning on Alexis Mm. where I actually think it's really shitty behavior of Gretchen the way she carries herself into her final season with Alexis and I think it says a lot about Gretchen's character or lack thereof I think there's a real spinelessness there that feels a bit akin to Melissa Gorga throwing Jacqueline under the bus when she aligns herself with Teresa in season seven of New Jersey yeah or the Kathy Wakili thing doesn't it it's like Gretchen makes a decision that Tamara's a stronger player on the show she aligns herself with it and where Tamara's very easily flip-flops back. Gretchen's sort of made her bed and is like, well, no, now I have to stick with this whole I've turned on Alexis thing. It's a really Faustian bargain. You should know Tamara by now and how she works. You know that she will fuck you over and then you'll end up on an island by yourself because Alexis is so hurt now she couldn't take Mm. you back. And I think Alexis has a bit of an, almost like a Lisa Vanderpump quality where obviously they're working on very different intellectual levels. But regardless of what you think about Alexis and her flaws, I actually do admire that Alexis has a very clear moral code and a sense of integrity with her friendships where she defended Gretchen to the hilt and was her best friend and her ally at a time where it wasn't fashionable. And for her friends to not return the favour I think really hits Alexis on a very fundamental level. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, she's very dear in headlights with the show because while she's very performative on the show in terms of her role as like with wealth and with the TV presenting and the kind of housewife element, but I think she took the friendships and the interaction as as more face value than someone like Tamara is performing the show. And so you're right. I think that's why that Costa Rica argument is so painful is because the impact on Alexis is far greater than it would be. It would be like Teflon on Tamara or something because it's so thin on the ground, which is kind of what happens with the cut fitness thing is that Alexis just gets completely like um, floor wiped. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't work out how to phrase that. Uh, Because not only is everyone against her, but also nothing sticks that she says where everything they say punctures her. And I think it it sticks in the audience's memory as well. So that reunion for season seven, Alexis has the really bad luck where pretty early on in the reunion, she gets two digs thrown at her from Tamara and Heather and they've gone down in the annals of housewives history. So we have Tamara being like, you are psychotic, Jesus Jugs. And then we have Heather saying, if everybody says you're dead, it's time to lie down. Yeah. And that has really followed and haunted Alexis to this day. That's so true. And it's kind of unfortunate because I think we sort of remembered those catchphrases and forgotten the actual content of the argument where actually most of us would probably be maybe more sympathetic with Alexis. That's so true. And that sentiment does follow her into her final season with this cut fitness fight. And... I don't know. I feel like we've had variations of this discussion before with gaslighting or um, what's the word on um, uh, uh, violated on Beverly Hills, where these big terms get thrown around. But I actually do think that Alexis was kind of bullied in the sense that the punishment just doesn't seem to fit the crime. I find it weird that Lydia's response is so on the other side of the fence to Alexis regarding the term bullying. I don't know if it was having a hot moment in the press at that point or something, 
where I do feel like they all jump on it a lot as if Alexis is implying that they all made her want to kill herself. That's what I mean. It's like when Lydia says that people kill themselves over bullying, it's like, yes, but also there is a gradient to these things. Like I personally, I don't think bullying is that strong a word. I feel like I've used it liberally to describe things that I've seen before. I feel like people can be bullied. You use it to describe me all the time. I bully you all the time. (laughs) I mean, come on. It happens to the best of us. It's a little like bullying on a Sunday. It's just that same thing. Anything that gets close to being, oh, that was kind of racist people get more offended with the descriptor rather than the action and so Mm. when alexis is like she asks tamra to butt out and then suddenly tamra goes to a place of you you get the fuck out get out and then physically (laughs) pulls alexis out of her chair and then turns her towards the exit it's just such an extreme reaction there's just something so demeaning about physically pulling a grown adult away from the table in their chair you're so right and also as she's leaving and she's desperately trying to get in like a closing state like a last word something about her integrity how she's going to weather this storm and Tamara's just steamrolling her and it's just like the the most childish but like you say demeaning thing you can do while someone's kind of trying to say their final thing to to literally go la 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 where it's like Tamara unfortunately has won purely because she's bellowing and shouting the loudest and also they keep saying that sneaky thing in the aftermath of the cut fitness fight of well if you're that upset with us and you had to go on Xanax for it maybe you shouldn't be around us anymore i.e don't be on the show you're not strong enough to film with us on this show which again is one of those moments we like discussing where it suddenly gets like a very meta moment and suddenly it becomes an attack on their employment position it generally that season really reminds me of when Sonia's position on the show we were talking about last week yeah. when she's sort of stuck on her own and there's all those moments like when they all go on holiday for Tamara's bachelorette party and then it will just cut to sort of Alexis and Jim having dinner at the local Italian restaurant it's like such a non-scene yeah and you just think, oh God, you know that you're going. Like, you know that yeah. <laughs> your time is... It's almost like a very wholesome version of Danielle Staub in season two, where she's just on this island by herself. So she's forced to kind of go on these little adventures by herself with like these yeah. supporting characters. Hence her deciding she wants to become a host or become an, an actor. actor. Can we talk about when she goes to the, the guys who run the acting studio and she's having the conversation with the one shaved head guy who's implying, you know, you've got to take this really seriously. This isn't going to be easy. And then is joined by the sort of midlife crisis man who basically is like, well, you're the hardest one we've had any. <laughs> <laughs> completely undermines any like integrity to the agency who basically is like, well, our looks alone, she's it. <laughs> and finds out to have a big cigar and be like, I know. hey, sugar tits. You got marks. <laughs> so you want to be in movies. And Alexis is just there being like, okay, it, if you yeah, say yeah, I'm in, yeah. I'm in. And you're just like, oh God. Also, the amazing scene that she has to do in the acting class where someone <laughs> <laughs> the guy is being like do you want to go and have a look at my car and she has to keep being like seriously <laughs> I wear heels and I have a handbag does that look like something I would want to do they're like do you see how much better that was yes now it's like a natural conversation <laughs> Am I making up something? But I swear I remember a scene where she goes to an acting class and she's like, acting class is so much fun. You have to memorize your lines and then you just go up there and do it. And then they're all talking about Clint Eastwood movies and Al Pacino movies to prepare. And Alexis is when talking she... like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movies. Is that, am yes, I making that yeah. up? Okay. No, that does happen. <laughs> 
So good. And then we have this great scene where she goes to visit another skeezy Hollywood producer to kind of do this like table read audition for this bit part where she's playing this police officer who's interviewing a child. <laughs> and one of her lines is like, okay, so Stacy, I want to show you something. It's a picture of some people. Do you recognize these people? And then suddenly there's a close-up of a blank piece of paper with Alexis's French tip nails, like bejeweled everywhere. She's taken a little pencil and she stops mid-scene and just sketches out a stick figure, mummy, daddy, and baby. And then a little cartoon house with two little windows and a chimney and then like slides it over to the reader. And then the reader pretending to be a six-year-old is like, no. And then she's like, oh, okay. And then afterwards, the producer is just grinning ear to ear his eyes are so wide and he's so full of shit he's like wow that was very good and we have a lot of projects coming down the pike so your phone may be ringing sooner than you think and just telling her all this guff that she wants to hear and any other normal person would be like this guy is a grifter this is a scam run as far away as possible but of course Alexis is like the only person on the planet to be like ooh okay I love when someone's saying like when the skeezy guy is like oh so you're on CSI uh, Miami would you have a couple of lines and she's like no no it was like a five minute section it was like a speech and then another speech and then another speech like a news anchor and I'm like we've all been Alexis being like no 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 it was like a five minute scene in EastEnders I need some of that though it was I need if I had like an ounce of self-confidence and delusion that she has where I feel like I'm constantly on the back foot and downplaying five minute scene (laughs) I had a soliloquy on CSI Miami I mean when I think of Alexis I think of her highly questionable headband when Lydia goes to visit to talk the day after the cut business fight I'm obsessed it's like something that one of the Beverly Hills ladies would wear to a flapper party, but she's just wearing it in the middle of the day with this like really bold lip. And it's just such a choice. And just there's something about the way it sits on her head and what it does to the shape of her head. And it's just got this giant bejeweled side with just like a vest. <laughs> I just can't. I, I'm mesmerized. She, it's, it's such a choice. She's... Listen, she's a fashion designer. This is another one of her jobs that she's had. Her time on the show has just been punctured by this series of hobbies come business ventures that she's rubbish at. And every single one, it plays like it's a mockumentary. It's just essentially the same sketch every season, but in a different locale. But it's always the peak of cringe comedy where she has this like very remedial childlike understanding of the working world and her attention span is equally childlike where she'll be like this season I want to be a, an actress and this season I want to be a host and this season I'm going to be a courtier and this season I want to be a trampoline princess and and this season I want to be a surgeon exactly yeah no we, the things we've been deprived of rocket scientist exactly. Alexis I mean I could go on but she has this Alexis Couture line and the only thing of note is that it's called Alexis Couture and when she's asked to define it she goes Couture is a term put on a design address that's um I guess super rich and that's it that's what she says and then we just have this horrible scene where she's paid this woman to make these dresses that she's designed and there's this one dress which is ridiculous and it has this massive extravagant sleeve that's like bejeweled everywhere and it's on this like very delicate dainty fabric and it's clearly taken ages to make and Alexis is like I don't like the sleeves so she goes and gets a pair of kitchen scissors 
<laughs> and it's like, see, look, if we just like cut the sleeves off, and the woman is like, no, it's like the most guttural scream where it's like her life's work has gone into this thing, and just in two seconds, Alexis is like, la 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 la, and just like <laughs> rips it off, thinking that she's Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies, and she's like, there, ah, doesn't it look uh, better? And then just totters off again. She's like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm a fashion designer, yeah. And then this like actual <laughs> seamstress is just staring at shreds of her life's work in tears. <laughs> It's just such a good example of how Alexis just blithely goes through life. And I love her for it. You know what? I don't generally love having like yes people friends, but everyone needs like one. And I do admire that Alexis is that person for like Vicky, for instance, where they're going to go for dinner and Alexis is going to know everything that makes Vicky happy. And she's going to be like, how's Brooks? How's it going with Brooks? Well, you two should be together because you should yeah. be happy and da, 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 whatever. And she's just going to, like, she's never going to ask the hard questions. She's never going to put, the second that Tamara shines her light on her, she's only going to say what Tamara wants to hear and those lovely things. She is such a yes person to all of those people. And maybe, maybe everyone needs one. Exactly. And like, maybe, hey, there's an argument that that is fake as well, but we need a little bit of fakery in our lives. And... She's never thrown the first punch. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And this may be yeah. a reason why she shouldn't be on the show. And that's a reason why she's no longer on the show. She couldn't instigate drama. And I think that also once people like Heather were on the show and certainly with the way that Tamara and Vicky were beginning to operate more and more, Alexis is just an unfair, it's too, it's, it's an easy target and it's not enjoyable to watch an easy target. I think the cut fitness fight kind of showed that, that you need someone who's going to like scream back at Tamara or throw something or whatever, where it was just sad. If you're going to be in isolation, pull a Danielle and fuck shit up. Get the heavies. That's it. Exactly. Where it's like, she's iconic for her little biblical spurts and, and, and mainly for like her hosting garb, but she, her time had come. And I don't think that Alexis had any more to give us. And also I'd started to find it quite painful watching them try and shoehorn all of these scenes with her and Jim, like, learning to dance or going to dinner or whatever where he is just patently controlling and has this like dark energy yeah i don't want it on my screen well i kind of wonder i go back on back and forth on whether or not i would like alexis back on our screen because she's now divorced jim which seems to be the main thing that was weighing her down and Also, recently, one of her kids, one of the twins, just came out as trans. And she wrote this actually legitimately really beautiful caption on Instagram. And actually, it made me really, really proud of Alexis. And actually, she's come very far. And I guess it comes back to she's actually an incredible mum. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And part of me... What a gorgeous... Yeah. No. I was just going to say, what a gorgeous note to end on. No, I was going to say, yeah, because part of me is like, oh, it's sad that we missed out on that side of Alexis, but also I'm sure she'd be very boring and well-adjusted and down-to-earth and normal. Yeah, we, we don't want that on the show. I just want to read about that in my spare time. Ta- I don't want Tamara in the show to corrupt her, so I, no. I wish her well wherever she is in Orange County, with her big old boobs, living her best life, gym-free. Yeah, absolutely. Go, Alexis. Can we talk about the Brooks cancer scam next week? Oh, of course, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm, it's like, I was I was sort of invested in the Alexis thing. And then the more that I was yeah. watching Brooks and the season, the more I was like, I'm so excited. I'm fully on the Vicky train and right now. I've honestly just been watching the reunion where Brianna comes out with what he said to Ryan. Yeah. And 
you do just go, how did this keep going? Like how, in a way, like how did the show allow him to keep being on yes. the show? And that is really corrupt that they were like, this is really good television, even though this is a man categorically admitting yeah. to saying yeah. that. You just know, I, I'm just, I'm so excited to talk about it. He is one of the most uncomfortable people to watch on television of all time. And I just can't wait. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. No, 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 no. Let's do it now. Uh, right. take Shall out? I take us out? Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating, or if you'd simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out too. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.